everybody, and welcome to Third Line Plug Sensecast. I am your host, Taylor Gibson. Joining me, as always, from the tropical metropolis of Calgary, Alberta, my co-host, Tim Jensi. Tim, how's it going, man? It's been going pretty good. We'll be getting our renovations going in earnest, and we got to see, like, Sense Hockey this week was just weird. And I think that social media kind of overreacted to it, but we'll get into that. Yeah, but doesn't Sense Twitter and Sense Social Media overall just overreact about everything? Yeah, pretty much. Mm-hmm. I I honestly think that they're worse than the Leafs social media at this point. Are they, though? That's the big question. Because the Leafs still melt down when they're winning. Right, but it's like... I would melt down this season if I was a Leaf fan. Like, just looking at the way the Leafs are winning is not, not pretty. Mm-hmm. Even when they were healthy. Yes. This is true, Tim. This is true. You know, to be perfectly honest with you, have you ever read some of the comments differing from like Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter? It's totally different vibes. vibes. Yeah. Different vibes. I should just get off Twitter is what I'm hearing. What you should be doing is getting on, on the Instagram train. Because let me tell you, what the players are posting, chef's kiss. Very fun. Okay. Very fun, very fun. Now, but how am I going to get my Bosty posts if I get off Twitter? I think Bosty's on Twitter. I was being to get uh, get off Twitter. I think he... I, think I know he, he's on Blue Sky. You know what? He follows me on TikTok now, so... Oh, well, that's powerful. That's powerful, man. But you know what's also powerful, Tim? Is this week's episode, and we got three games to talk about, including a Chuck Bowl. Very excited about that. But before we get into anything, let's talk about today's cover athlete for Season 7, Episode 8, Chronological Order, episode 158, the Max LeJoie episode. A little backstory about Max LeJoie. He was selected 133rd overall by the Ottawa Senators in 2016. He played parts of two seasons with the Senators, recording seven goals, eight assists for 15 points in 62 games. Honestly, he was one of those defensemen that I recall thinking like he was going to be a mainstay and just didn't pan out. It's weird because like from... His small sample between here, Carolina, and Toronto. Models tend to like what he's doing, but there's something he's doing that's just not clicking. Like, part of it is probably he he does have a pretty spotted injury history. And that probably isn't helping, but, like, it's weird. Like, when he was on, I really liked what he was doing, but in those 56 games that he played with the Senators in 2018-2019, there was definitely a lot less that i liked than what i did no that's 100 percent fair and you know what's funny even if you go back and listen to i believe it was season two of third night plug you could definitely hear your thoughts in those episodes yeah it's just very biz- like a bizarre player i wouldn't like it's probably a bit late now seeing that he's almost 27 but i i'm really surprised that he's not like a bottom pair defenseman who pushes the puck the right way yeah so he essentially would have been like you know what eric brasherm is right now i still think eric brasherm has more to him than that i'm thinking like later years mark giordano would be an example or oh what's another really good one shoot i'm blanking on the name in dallas but there's a really good example on dallas that i think would be a pretty decent comparable like a five six defenseman yeah an offensive five six defenseman Oh, man, if only we had Google or expensive. Yeah. Well, it's like I'm blanking on the name. Yeah. I want to say like Hapa- Yari Hapaka, Hakimpa. 
Okay, I know exactly. Yeah, yeah. you was it Julius or Julius? Yanni Yanni Hakenpah. Yanni Hakenpah. Like someone like that who's eh, good enough fills out the bottom role pretty well. I guess Oliver Shillington as well. Yeah, and of course, I mean, being in Calgary, you would probably see him much more than a lot of people would, right? Yeah. Yeah. You know what? We're talking about Max Lejoie. The one moment that always sticks out in my mind, the Brent Wallace interview he did with him, Formatin, and Brady when they were all rookies. Oh, right. Lejoie and Brent asked him who was the first person he called. He says, you know, I'm not going to lie. I called my girlfriend first, and Brady's reaction was, Just like, come on. (laughs) That in like we've we've said in the past, that just endeared him to the fan base, right? Yeah. I mean, I'd forgotten about that video. Right. I mean, how could you not, right? It's such a good video. Hmm. So a quick disclaimer. I know it's kind of like unprofessional, but I'm currently eating some French fries. I mean, I still remember we were doing the conference preseason show where I was eating a burger in the middle of our segment with Adam. Yeah. Oh, man. Remember the bowl of soup? <laughs> man, the COVID seasons were uh, something else. Because that was also the year where, like, you you were watching me dying eating a cupcake. Yeah. Yeah, it was that was something. I tell you, man, the pandemic epis were just something else. Oh, man. I tell you. You know, it's funny that we really don't have a ton to talk about Max Lejoie, but I'll tell you, Tim, we got even less to talk about our cover athlete for next week's episode, Season 7, Episode 9, in chronological order, Episode 159. It's going to be the Eric Goldman edition. Do you remember him? Neither Eric do Eric Goldman, nope. So, Tim, you know, this would usually be the part of the episode where I would ask you how your week's been going and all that good stuff, but... We got to bring back an old segment that we used to do here on Third Line Plug. You know how we used to talk about our previous episode and we used to talk about some of the stuff we did, but it got to a point where it's like, well, I mean, it was, it was what it was. Yeah. Last week's episode was not that. And again, thank you to Dan Saracini from Lighthouse Hockey and Anxiety Islanders podcast who joined us for our episode last week. Yeah. And I feel like I learned a ton about the New York Islanders. Like, I didn't know they were at one point just owned by a guy who made up all of his financials. Mm-hmm. Like, that's incredible. Like, we thought we had bad ownership. Literal criminal. And you know what's hilarious? I was listening to a podcast a couple of weeks ago. They were talking about John Spano, and they said there was a guy who quote-unquote owned the Nashville Predators who did the exact same thing like five years after the fact. Like, yeah, I know Eugene Melnick did have a file, a settlement with, I believe, both the SEC and the OEC, the OSEC for corporate fraud. But like what Spano did is uh, that's on another level. You know what? It was so crazy that ESPN got a 30 for 30 done on it. Yeah. What did he actually do? After working sales jobs in Pittsburgh and Dallas, he founded Bison Corp. Weird. Yeah, but even John Spano in the 30 for 30 talks about it. He says, you know what? It's one of those things, man. If you roll with a certain kind of crowd, people just stop asking questions. Like he was the kind of person that like he was his golfing buddies was like Mario Lemieux, very high ranking people. 
like Jerry Jones and inviting him to the Cowboy games to sit in the owner suite and all that stuff. Right. So he just managed to meet people. Yeah. Right. Quite honestly, I think there should be. I think we talked. I can't remember if we talked about it on the air, but I said that I would love to see a sequel to that 30 for 30 and talk about the other bad owners of the Islanders. Because there's just, again, there's just a, such a long list of it before the John Ledecky and the Malkin guy that now owns the team. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Like Pickett and all those guys. Mm hmm. Well, Pickett at least owned them during the dynasty. Yeah, he owned it, and he ingested a lot of money into it, too. Yeah. No, I honestly thought that was a great episode. I thought Dan was a great co-host with us. The one thing I think our listeners may not know, so we always record at 5 o'clock our time. In your case, it was 6 o'clock. So I, I said to you and Dan, I said, okay, listen, I'll set up maybe 10, 15 minutes beforehand. I'll get ready, so you guys are going to be ready to go on your end. So Dan jumps on first. In the background, he's got like his signed Lou Ferrigno Hulk picture and whatever. Now, I'm a wrestling guy, especially all elite wrestling. So I see a signed picture of Danhausen, who's a wrestler at AEW. And I'm sitting there going, yo, is that a Danhausen picture? That's awesome. And he goes, oh, yeah, yeah, that's a Danhausen picture. I met him at one of the meet and greets. Nice. So he and I just started nerding out about AEW. He's like, yeah, I went to... What did he go to? Full Gear, Dynamite, which I think is one, which is one of the weekly shows. Rampage, which is one of the weekly shows. Collision, any show that went through New Jersey. Oh, excuse me. Yeah, any AEW show he goes through Jersey he went to, which still upsets me because AEW has yet to come through BC at all. That's wild. It's gone through Edmonton, Calgary. During the Stampede weekend, by the way. Yeah. Regina, Saskatoon, Winnipeg, Toronto twice, and now they're going to be in Montreal this week. It's like, why is BC getting shafted? What are we going to do? Are you going to go to the East Coast Atlantic provinces next? No, there's no not enough people there, I don't think. Like, especially compared to Vancouver. I guess, but I mean, you would still get quite a bit of people coming around from other provinces. That's true. No, that was a great episode, man. I really, really, really looking forward to talking to him again, hopefully in the future. Yeah. I'd love to have him on again. Absolutely, man. Now, what I also love is asking you, how's everything been going, man? I know that you were talking about your recent rentals. What's going on with that? Yeah, we'll be actually getting the framing done this week, plumbing in next week, and hopefully electrical pretty soon. So after all that's done, we can get the building inspector in. And then uh, once we get the A from the building inspector, it's uh, drywall, ceiling, and floors, and we're done. Excellent. Now, it's just the one wall you guys are doing? Uh, we're doing, like, three. Just because, like, one of them will make... We have, like, one long one that's going to make most of the hallway. Mm -hmm. then the two on the bathroom and then some extra small ones like it'll probably take like a day to frame up well especially if you get somebody who knows what they're doing right oh exactly yeah and then i've had a lot of people tell me that uh drywalling sucks mm -hmm. so if you don't have to do it don't do it yeah, like it's not... not difficult it is sorry i mean it's not conceptually hard it's just an absolute pain to do. 
very physical. It's a very physical job to do as well. Yeah, so I just won't. That's fair. That's a fair, man. You know what? Because even like with me working in construction now, I find that you will never find a happy drywaller. They're also fucking miserable. Do drywall, they said. You'll make them. You'll make money, they said. Well, you do. Your body breaks down very easily, but yeah, like that's why. Like you'll make money, they said. You'll enjoy that money you earned, they said. Mm-hmm. Two of those three statements are true. It is. That's why one of the guys that used to be on the site, he does a lot of mudding and sanding. He says it's a less physical job. It's cool because you get to go on stilts and shit, but... Actually, like, hanging the drywall? It's a fucking nightmare. That's why those guys are on, like, scaffolds and... um, Yeah, scaffolds. Whatever kind of carts they use in the hallways. But, like, imagine doing that in a kid as a reno. This is true. You don't get that sort of stuff, and it's a basement, no. so the height is a factor. Yeah. Yeah, because most rooms are about eight feet. So, yeah, about eight feet, drywall, yeah. Like, yeah. imagine trying to get that down a staircase, and you're not using a cart to get it down the staircase. Yeah, I'm going to pay someone else to do that. Yeah. No, you are a very smart man to do that, Mr. Jesse. I will give you that. Yeah, and uh, labor rates seem to be normalizing, so I'm pretty happy about that. Can't complain, man. Can't complain. Can't complain. Yeah, so I'll, I'll talk a little bit about my week. So our CSO first aid lady, she is in Alberta right now. Her grandson and her daughter live there, so she traveled there for her for, for his birth, first birthday. So I've been taking over the site first aid person. Oh, neat. Not bad. Not a bad gig. I'm not going to lie. She is coming back this week, but it has been very busy because it's one of those things where it's like just constantly, hey, Taylor, we need this. Taylor, we need that. Hey, can you do this? I'm like, okay. You guys not hurt yourselves for two minutes? <laughs> exactly. Well, thankfully, nobody hurt themselves yet. But I find with other stuff relating to the job, it's just stuff that I can't get out of, right? So Exactly. No, it's not been too bad. I did travel to Nanaimo this past weekend because Katrina and I were dog-sitting for her birth mom, little Ryan, who is a miniature husky. Ooh. I know. He's such a good dog, too. Yeah, we took him for a walk, went to see my cousin... Cousin, his wife, and his niece, who's lived just down the street from them. So all in all, it was a good week. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, man. I started trying to think, like, what else happened in my week? But other than that, not much. The usual. I guess I made meatball subs. That was pretty neat. Ooh, okay. Now, how big are these meatballs are you talking? Are you talking, like... Or like uh-huh. frozen size meatballs? No, they're a bit bigger. Like uh, basically, we had leftover tomato sauce from the chicken parm that we made. I thought I mathed it out right, but then Safeway didn't have the right size container of, like the right size cans of tomato sauce. So I just had a bunch of tomato sauce left over. So we bought basically like some pre-made meatballs you get from the del- sorry from the butcher aisle. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and just fried those up. It's a Great way to get rid of excess tomato sauce. It is. And tomato sauce, it's so handy because you can throw basically anything into it. 
actually it was kind of funny because I some of my friends were talking like you know what I've never really had any tomato sauce and chicken stuff I'm like have you guys never had a chicken parm do you not respect our boy Pajot and they're like who yeah exactly I'm like oh okay that's true but I find even with chicken parms are one of those things that even I think I like the idea of them but anytime I've ever had them I'm always kind of just disappointed you have to season the chicken though as I get older, I'm less and less of a fan of breading. So I'll do a grilled. I'll just throw like grilled chicken thighs. Uh, I've spiced thighs spice with like uh, oregano. Usually oregano, parsley, and basil. And a bit of salt and pepper, obviously. Obviously. Yeah. yeah. Oh, and garlic powder, garlic powder. I think for me, maybe it's the size of the chicken. Because it's more of a flatted chicken that I've seen. If it was more like a chicken breast... Hey, I'd be down with that. Yeah. Well, I, I'm always too lazy to flatten my chicken. So I'll just throw like whole thighs in. See, I think if you made me a chicken parm, the way that you're describing it, like not flattened or anything, I probably would enjoy it. Well, now I know. <laughs> now we know, T. Now we know. But you know what also we know? It's time to segue into this little segment I like to call Top of the Hour. tell you so katrina found this thing on tiktok where she gets like chicken breasts okay you air fry them you either air fry them or bake them no sorry no i'm lying chicken breasts in the slow cooker cooks them gets the hand mixer blends it all up so you get like a shredded chicken make sandwiches out of it Ooh, that does sound good yeah it's really good yeah she put barbecue sauce and hot sauce together in it but the thing for me is, like, I got a more of a sweeter barbecue sauce than a more tangy one. Right. It really helps. That does sound good. It does sound good. It does sound good. Now, what also sounds good, Tim, is Pittsburgh Penguins captain Sidney Grosby moving into 25th on the all-time goal list with 564. You know, it's funny because we talk about Ovechkin chasing Gretzky's all-time record. We don't talk about enough about where Crosby's going to end in this category. So true. Yeah, because like Ovechkin's is all like all of his offenses. It's at the goals column, boys. But with Crosby, it's you always kind of think more a bit more playmaker. But the guy really does do it all. Mm-hmm. I mean, how many times has that guy scored fifty goals in the NHL, and we'd never talk about it? Yeah, no kidding. And it's weird to think of Sidney Crosby and underrated in the same sentence. Mm-hmm. But yeah, Crosby is an underrated goal scorer. He is. I mean, I can't really think of another player in this generation that is just doesn't get enough love for scoring goals. That's a good one. Like, who else is like that underrated? But I think it's crazy that, I mean, Sidney Crosby... Maybe a Ginla. Hmm. 625 good for 16th yeah i think no I, I think jerome does get love for goal scoring i think he's more of a physical specimen yeah but that's that's a pretty big number yeah we, you know what's really funny tim like when we talk about crosby playmaking you know what he never had in his career and i may be wrong if somebody could correct me a 50 goal score the, peng- the Penguins never had a 50-goal score with Crosby. 
Uh, I'm gonna have to check that. They had Castle who scored 40, but he was on the second line. I think he was second or third line. He was with Haglin and Benino. Right. The HB. Right. So you're saying it just he never played with Crosby. Mm-hmm. Let's see. Let's see if I can... Yeah, I'm just gonna try and pull this up. Yeah, go for it. Because like that is that would be wild. Yeah. While you're looking that, while you're looking that up, Tim, maybe I'll talk about the next story because it does involve the Pittsburgh Penguins as well. Although this time it's their goaltender, Tristan Jari, who scored the franchise's first goalie goal during their game versus the Tampa Bay Lightning. I guess Gensel had 40 in 2021-2022. But yeah, it's not 50. Yeah, but that seems crazy to me that Crosby, for as great of a playmaker it is, never had a 50-goal score. Yeah, well, what's wild is like, yeah, and the lockout short season, nobody on that team got over 30. Yeah, like Gensel had multiple 40-goal seasons, but yeah. Yeah, no... And like this, it's not like these were slouch teams either. This is a teams, two teams that won the Stanley Cup. Yeah, like the like the Malkin and Kessel line outscored the Crosby line in seventeen eighteen. In the year that we lost to Pittsburgh, Crosby had forty four by himself. Yeah, and then it was uh, Kessel and Sheary at twenty five. Maybe Where? that's why Crosby never had a 50-goal score with him. Because he was the 50-goal scorer. He was the 50-goal scorer. <laughs> Crosby's like, I don't need a 50-goal score. I am 50-goal scorer. But yeah, it's just kind of wild how few goals... Yeah, the Penguin, The Penguins rarely had someone over 40. Mm-hmm. And they were still pretty dominant. So what about this goalie goal, Tim? Now, I'm really surprised, given that the Penguins... I've been around since 1967... I'm really kind of surprised the Penguins have not had a goalie that scored a goal. Well, Even remember, this had... is like the first one in like two decades. What, goalie goal? Goalie goal. Sorry, NHL goalie goal? There's only been 17. Yeah, but one happened last year. Oh, yeah, one happened once. Like, these are rare. I, I know, but the funny thing for me is like the Penguins have had a number of noted puck handling goalies from Tom Barrasso, Marc-Andre Fleury, and yet Tristan Jari is the one that scores a goal. And what's funny is Nadalkovich had scored one in the AHL earlier this season, like I think even a couple weeks ago, and he's sitting on the bench. Yeah. And what's insane about this goalie goal is it's like how perfect Jari places it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> he gets the lob and it's like right in front of the cre- like center crease and like just goes right in. I'm just amazed at the hang time he got on that too. Oh, yeah. Like, actually wild. Like, it didn't even hit the offensive blue line. It essentially hit in between the circles. The line is all mark. Oh, I forgot Pekka Rene scored one, too. But yeah, these things are... These things are rare. Well, Bruder scored two. Bruder scored two, but like in the time before Cam... There was half a decade between Cam Ward scoring one and Chris Mason scoring one. There was almost 10 years between Mike Smith's and Pekka Rene's. Like, that's just how rare these things are. A full 10, a full 13 years pass between Broders. Like, admittedly, there was a lockout in there, but. I was going to say, do you think a goalie goal, that is the ultimate white unicorn for hockey fans? Yeah. To see that live? 
Like, what would you put in that category? I would put... Oh, wait, this is counting own goals. Yeah, really? so what up, Broders, was an own goal. Like, ha yeah, half of these are own goals that were credited to the goalie because the goalie was the last person to touch it. Yeah. yeah uh, Martin Broders, third well, and Damien second. Rose is on that, too. You mean Rhodes? Yes. Yeah, that was an old goal. Yep. Actually, all of Broders' goalie goals... Sorry, only Broders' first goalie goal was one that he shot. Mm -hmm. His other two were goals. In the playoffs, too. Yeah. Like, no, we should... Oh, goals don't count. We're talking real goalie goals. So, Jim, the big news story of this past week involving the Chicago Blackhawks and their forward, Corey Perry, who was placed on unconditional waivers for the purpose of terminating his contract. Boy, I tell you, the internet just went wild about what really happened. And the fact is that we still know nothing. Yeah, so it's like, as far as Chicago's concerned, it sounds like they did everything they could other than say, hey, he's under investigation. Yeah. Like, that's probably the only thing I would have done differently than what Chicago did, just given how thin of ice that team is on. But still, like, the way they were communicating was just very weird. And it didn't help that Corey Perry's agent just basically lied. Let's put that one out there. Because remember, they did say that, oh, it's a personal, for personal reasons. Yeah. Yeah, the personal reasons of you're being investigated for something. Yeah, but I mean, what is his agent going to do? Is the agent going to be like, yeah, so he got drunk and was being an ass. And like, I guess the thing is, is like, if the team's taking all the heat, just let it happen. Like, yeah, it's like just such a bizarre, like the situation is so weird. It is. And of course, everybody's reaction on Twitter and any form of social media about it. Of course, everybody tried to make the connection between Perry and Bedard's mom and everything, which why? I guess somebody, I guess, sent a message out on Twitter saying that they knew a hockey insider who claimed this or whatever, which is total bullshit. Let's be honest. But again, it's not not just because of that. It's more because of everything with the Kyle Beach incident. So everybody, exactly, yeah. everybody's going to assume like, OK, so what happened really that got you suspended? When the you know the team covers this up, but you get caught doing this and you get sus and you get suspended. And I'm sorry, like any story involving the Blackhawks, like say a gay like with Corey Perry, like okay, he gets bought out. Essentially, this is the end of his career. People are gonna be like, oh, what what did he do? Was it as bad as Kyle Beach? And that's kind of the thing. It's just like you kind of have to judge everything on its own merits, but at the same time. That Kyle Beach sword is just going to be hanging over the Blackhawks' heads for a very long... As it should, honestly. Oh. Yeah. Like, we're talking about a team that basically, yeah, they sent a Predator away with a handshake and a smile and a letter of reference to go commit more crimes. From the sounds of things, like, yeah, enough people knew that it's pretty no, it's, bad. It's disgusting. It's disgusting what the Blackhawks did, and yeah, they should be they, yeah, like, held to doing this. Like, yeah, they, they should be held to a higher standard than everyone else. Absolutely. Absolutely. So, Tim, we got ourselves a coach firing. The Minnesota Wild have fired head coach Dean Evanson and assistant coach Bob Woods. Evanson was replaced by John Hines. 
So, Dean, on behalf of the Minnesota Wild and their fans, we want to thank you for all your service and everything you've done for the franchise. But, Dean Evison, Oh, you know what? I love when I get to use the Vince McMahon, you're fired. It's fun. It's fun. But it's like, I really do feel for Dean Evanson. Because, like, the Minnesota Wild, absolutely mid. But also, the guy is working with... And what's weird is, like, I don't think the Wild are that much worse in terms of underlying numbers than last year. It's just their shooters went cold at the same time that their goalies fell off a cliff. Yeah. Like the defense is still Minnesota style defense. And we, we got to see that in Sweden. The offense is still mid. It's actually probably even less mid than last year. And Dean Evanson was doing that with a team that is missing $15 million of salary cap. Mm -hmm. So it's like, it's not the coach, but you have to do something. But at the same time, how many coaches have just been obliterated by bad goaltending? Oh my God. We've seen the other coach this season. The other coach firing this season was because of bad goaltending. And you're absolutely right. I do feel for Dean Evanson because you know what? He really did the make the best out of a, uh, honestly, a bad situation. Like if I can borrow a term from Steve Austin, he says he made chicken salad out of chicken shit. Honestly, yeah. Minnesota wasn't a weird place. It'll be interesting to see what Bill Garrett does. when, When did that buyout, that buyout was 2021 like that was a it was a contract that i i think he even inherited the bio so it's like well we'll see what bill garen does with this yeah but you know what one thing i don't like is hiring john i was just about to say that i do not understand why they brought john hines in we're talking about like quite possibly well i guess it's very minnesota in a way like you brought in quite possibly the most mid-coach you could. Well, what if they brought in Dallas Eakins? Dallas Eakins is bad. The hockey terrorist. Yeah, like, he's on a level of hockey terrorism. Not quite the same level as Kruger, but... Kruger, that's who I was trying to think Ralph Kruger is a hockey terrorist. It's like, look what happened to those Buffalo Sabres as soon as he was gone. Yep. Just absolute hockey terrorism. Yeah, I do not. Under- maybe John Hines was maybe the cheapest option. Maybe that's what they were doing. I've also heard that like Bill Guerin has a relation existing relationship with John Hines. I mean, I guess, but I mean, you you could have easily gotten a better person than yeah, John Hines. oh for sure. The NHL have announced that they are bringing back the player draft for their upcoming 2024 All-Star Game in Toronto. I will say this about the draft of like the early 2010 All-Star Games. At least those were actually kind of entertaining to watch because you watched them and you're like, "Ah, I don't know about this. I wouldn't agree with this. I think the best thing of them all, two things that come to mind. Somebody asked Ovechkin, he says, what's going to happen if you get taken last? He goes, 
Honestly, I want to. I will get the car. <laughs> and, I love that. That was a thing. And Phil Castle just sitting there going, guys, I gotta tell you, this is just fucking bullshit that I'm getting taken last. I gotta tell you, this is why am I being taken last? I don't know. The car's kind of nice, though. I mean, yeah, it's a Honda. It's a Honda Accord, though. I mean, I guess it's a good vehicle to get buy one. I could yeah. just buy one. Honestly, I wonder if they're doing that because there's just no anticipation anticipation for the All Star Game. Yeah, like I really don't care. And I have to wonder: is it because we're older now, or the game itself it, just means nothing? Yeah, I guess it is just really for the kids. Yeah, I think the the best thing about the All Star Game was always the skills competitions. Do that. Yeah. Because I mean, yeah, and we again we've always talked about this with the All Star Games. It's like there's only one sport it's actually worth seeing the All Star Game, and it's baseball. Oh, for the Dinger Derby, the Dinger Derby, but also the game itself, because you actually have to try. What are you going to do? Just like a lazy bunt into first base? Like no, I guess the NBA has the dunk contest. Oh, God, I love the slam dunk contest. Those are so good. Like, that, there's a reason to care about the NBA one. And it's like the NHL is trying to find stuff, but it's just not hitting. It's not hitting, but I find that hockey... Hockey fans are weird, though, man, because hockey fans are very much want... They, like, they're... They seem to want change, but they want things to stay the same. Yeah. It's like, if I can use a Simpsons reference... Do you remember the Itchy and Scratchy and Poochie episode where they did the focus group with the kids? Yeah. He says, really? Okay, so you want over-the-top storylines, but you want that grounded. Oh, oh, and you should also win stuff by watching. That's essentially what it's like. Yeah, pretty much. Try everything and see if it works. Yeah. <laughs> so this next news story, when this popped up, given that we are Senators fans and we did talk about Shane Pinto earlier this season, I had to say... Yeah, this is definitely a story. The NHL have announced that they are entering into a partnership with Penn Entertainment for online sports betting brands, ESPN Bet and The Score Bet. Does this mean I'm going to be seeing even more gambling ads? Probably. (sighs) Although, if I'm being honest, do do you remember when The Score was a channel? It's not a channel anymore? No, it's one of the Sportsnet channels. Now, Sportsnet bought the mode. But they've just kept the brand name? Or... Yeah, it's weird. Okay, so the score, they're not a channel anymore. They're essentially a brand. There's just a brand now. Weird. Like, the score still has, I think it's the app. They have their website, yeah. So yeah. I just assumed they still had a TV channel. No. I remember the score back in the day. The score was like... They were one of the first networks that took mixed martial arts seriously. I remember that. They also showed like a different highlight package. I think I want to say Elliot Friedman came out of that too. So that was good. Cabbie on the street. Probably the best thing about that show. Cabbie was great. Yeah, I don't remember anything from it, really. Yeah. It was a... How do I describe this? You know, when we talk about TSN and Sportsnet in this country... It's always like it was those two, and maybe you talked about the score, kind of, sort of, maybe. 
Yeah. Well, it's funny just like I always like, oh man, there's like no variety of anything in Canada. But then at the same time, it's like, well, it's not like there's a whole bunch of competing channels in the US either. No. I guess you have like your regional Bali networks. You have well, you have Turner, you have ESPN, like you have ESPN, you have sports there NESN and the other sports networks. Uh, Bali and Diamond, although Diamond is uh, not doing well. No, I mean, all the RSNs are pretty much going the way of the Dodo. Yeah. Yeah, although I do got to commend the Vegas Gold Knights for what they're doing, where I think it's just their own streaming service where you get to stream all their, I want to say all their home games. Yeah. It's an, it's an interesting idea. Will it work? Who knows? I don't know. I don't know. I'll tell you what's... Going to be very interesting to see, Tim, the Detroit Red Wings. They have won the Patrick Kane sweepstakes. They signed Patrick Kane to a one-year, $2.75 million contract. Kane recorded 21 goals, 36 assists for 57 game, 57 points in 73 games with the Blackhawks and the Rangers last season. You think his hips are even going to work? Probably not. Condolences no. to 313 Hockey. As soon as he got signed, I messaged Jake. I was like, so, this is a thing? He messaged me back. He goes, I don't like this. Yeah, it's like, I really don't know. No athletes ever really come back 100% from a hip resurface. No. What What about Ray Emery? Yeah, maybe. Razor... Bo Jackson, but they were never the same. No, like they never came back 100%, right? Well, you and never... there's aging on top of that, right? Yeah, I mean, you never fully come back from any kind of injury. That's true. Why Detroit? That's what I want to know. Like, why did Detroit do it, or why did he sign with Detroit? I think both. Like, I don't get it. I don't either. Because, like, Detroit, if there's any team that's currently in a playoff spot that's going to fall out of it, I'm betting on Detroit. Yeah. Because, like, I've watched them play. It's it's not good. No, and it's funny because Red Wing fans always try to pick shit with the Sens fans. And they're like, oh, we were in a playoff spot. And Sens are like, we have a Tim Jensi. Tim does not like your team. I don't like your team. I don't know. It's just like the team's just very, eh? And it just happens to be it just happens to be shooting the nuts right now. How much do you want to bet it's because to bring cats there? Yeah. And yeah, he just wasn't playing well in Ottawa. Yeah. Some was his fault. Some of it was the system's fault. Didn't have to go and say it. Yeah. To quote Mark Simpson, mm-hmm. it's true. But he shouldn't say it. Ah, good times. Good times. So we've got a couple of trades to talk about, Tim. The Vancouver Canucks have traded Anthony Bovier to the Chicago Blackhawks for a 2024 fifth-round pick. I'm going to say not a bad replacement for Corey Perry. Yeah, well, (laughs) I mean, kind of useless has been. Like, uh... Vancouver was trying to dump the guy because they had salary cap issues straight up. 
and uh, they managed to find someone to take them in uh, in Chicago. And the fact that Chicago paid them instead of them having to pay Chicago is pretty nice. Yeah, as long as Belvier doesn't get in trouble. I don't think he's going to get in trouble. Oh, we hope not, right? We hope not. Now, the Vancouver Canucks were also involved in another trade involving the Calgary Flames, as the Calgary Flames have traded Nikita Zadorov to the Vancouver Canucks for a 2024 fifth-round pick and a 2026 third-round pick. Here's the thing. There appeared to be multiple suitors for Zadorov. Is the best that you can get a fifth this year and a third two years from now? No, no. This is... I wonder if the offers they were given the Canucks were not, or sorry, I wonder if the the deals Calgary was getting was not good. There was the rumor that I heard is that Toronto was trying to pick up Zadorov and Tanev, but the problem was is Calgary didn't want to retain salary. Yeah, and and that's fair because honestly, Calgary looks like they may be a team that could be entering a rebuild. Right, but if I remember correctly, Zadorov's contract at the very least is a, is up this season. So that is one where you very happily say, "Yep, thank you, ma'am. I'll I'll retain some of that salary. Why not?" Mm-hmm. And then you can drive up the price a bit more. So if like I don't under I also don't understand what the rush was to get him up. Yeah, same with Tanev. Like if you retain salary on that transaction. Maybe you get a first out of Toronto. And I also don't understand what the rush to get Zadorov out was, unless the guy was like absolute locker room poison. I have heard that Zadorov did want out, but it didn't seem that things were really moving along. It seemed like things were kind of cooling down a bit. So I know with Zadorov, I've watched him a little bit. He's okay. Like, he's a quality... He's never never really impressed me that much. Like, he's a third-pairing defenseman, right? Yeah. Who, at his best, is uh, like a 2-3 tweener. Yeah, and now the Canucks have one of the tallest defense scores with him and Tyler Myers. Oh, gosh. But will they be able to play hockey? Well, I mean, Zadorov might be able to. Zadorov, maybe. Tyler Myers, that's a contract that'll keep giving. Uh, I think that one might be almost over too. I still cannot believe they gave him that deal. Let's see. Tyler Myers. Oh, he's done this year. He'll earn his last of the $6 billion contract. Here's a good question. Does Tyler Myers even come back next year? At 34? That's a great question. Like the guys had a, a long career. I don't think it was a good one, but it was a long one. Yeah. Well, you remember when he first came in the NHL, and I think people were sort of pegging him as kind of like the next Chara? Yeah, and like his early time in Buffalo was legitimately good. And then, well, the Sabres broke him. And then like he was kind of okay for a bit in Winnipeg. Like that's the weird thing about Myers is he he has like flashes of, oh, this is pretty good. And then all of a sudden it's like, Nope. Like he had some good seasons in Winnipeg. He had a good season in Vancouver. And then he's just kind of been a third pairing guy for the rest of his career. 
you know who who he kind of reminds me of is Erica Branson. If you really think about it, because he has more bad years than he has good. That's true, but I, where are you? you know, Branson is on that that very funny four by four contract in Columbus, but uh, I think. I would rather have Tyler Myers than Eric Branson. No, I 100% would take Myers over Branson any day. Remember that time that we had Eric Branson? Remember the time we had Ron Hainsey? I think Hainsey was better than Branson. Yeah, they were both awful, but yeah. That really was some. That really was a time, eh? Oh my god, then we had Uncle Deli. Michael Delzato. Actually, that's who Myers reminds me of a bit was Michael Delzato. Because he had like his first couple of years were good and then he just was kind of eh for the rest of it. Forgot about the Rod Hadesy year, but yeah, Rod Hadesy was uh, somehow better than <laughs> Eric Branson. <laughs> and Rod Hadesy was 38. Yeah. I guess the difference between Rod Hadesy and Eric Branson is that during Hadesy's career, up until the end, he was he was pretty good, and he had a long-ass career. And the Thrashers paid him $4.5 million like 15 years ago. Yeah. It was funny. I was actually re-watching the Urine Tree video he did on the Thrashers, and they mentioned a like he mentioned Ron Hainsey, and he puts that caption up. 4.5 for Ron Hainsey in 2008? What's weird is like, yeah, like that is that is a rich contract. But Ron Hainsey also wasn't bad. No. At that like, point. Like a two th- like maybe one or two million in 2008 would have been good before. <laughs> All right. Yeah. Especially the first couple of years of the salary cap, nobody was getting that kind of money. Yeah. Yo, remember Rod Hainsey? Stanley Cup winner Rod Hainsey? You know, the only moment I remember of Ron Hainsey as an Ottawa Senator was when we played Toronto the one time at home and he goes behind the net. He stops and goes, what the fuck? Oh, yeah. I forgot and he dropped. picks it up. I forgot about that. Oh, that's funny. Oh, he was probably, he's probably an all right guy. Oh, yeah. I'm sure he's all right, Tim. I'm sure he's all right. <laughs> Now, you know how we're talking about the Minnesota Wild earlier, Tim, and we're talking about their coach being fired? Well, it's time to talk about a suspension. Minnesota Wild forward Ryan Hartman was suspended two games for tripping. Detroit Red Wings forward Alex Debrinkat. Hartman, a repeat offender, will also forfeit $41,463. And wait for it, Tim. Got to do it this year. 42 cents. You know, the suspensions this year have been bad. Like, did you see the slew foot on this one? Yes. Like, both feet. Yep. I'm not surprised that's a suspension. I'm a little surprised it's not more. Well, given he's a repeat offender, right? Like, we repeat offender. Argue more. And that is clear. Reck- like, at the very, I don't want to say clear intent to injure, but very clearly reckless play. Yeah, very much so. I mean, just like this next fine Philadelphia Flyer for Travis Konecki was fined $5,000, the maximum allowable under the CBA, for cross-checking New Jersey Devil forward Brendan Smith. Right on the numbers, too. Like, 
that was bad. Yeah, when are players going to learn to not do that? What's wild is, like, I remember when we were kids in minor hockey, they had that campaign where they uh, stitched the stop sign onto, like, the neck of the jersey. Yep. As an idea. Like, it's like, think about it before you do that. And I guess... I guess it didn't really move the needle that much. No, we're that was... still seeing these hits. And I wonder if we're actually seeing them in a reduced number or not. Yeah. And I know that was a campaign that I, since I do remember, I didn't really play minor hockey, but I remember Don Cherry always pushing for it. It was always a big thing in minor hockey. And yeah, I don't understand it. I don't understand why guys have to hit between the numbers. Yeah. It and it's a nasty hit, and you can injure someone for a long time doing stuff like that. Well, yeah, Christ. I mean, you put them head first into the boards. Oh, yeah. Like it's just like that Finnish female hockey player last week that got paralyzed. That was wild. Yeah, God. This last couple of weeks for hockey players have been awful. We had that that player over in England that died. We had the Finnish player that got paralyzed. The dangerous sport. Yeah. Well, the crazy one about the player in England is the police are involved. Watching that video again, you do have to, like, the player was known for being a bit of a goon. You have to wonder if the British police are going to say, you know what? You didn't take enough care, even though it was a sport, to move into the level of negligence that would qualify as manslaughter mm-hmm. so that's one to watch well tim that wraps up top of there for this week which mean only one thing it's time to start talking about some games now we got three games on the schedule we've got the panthers versus the senators sends versus the blue sends versus the blue jackets and the kraken versus the senators now tim normally i would say let's hit the music but you know what tim for this episode I've got to say something. Tim, uh-huh. it is time for a Chuck Bowl. <laughs> All right, Tim, let's talk about the Chuck Bowl between Matthew DeChuck and Brady DeChuck. Matthew's side took this game by a score of five to nothing. Panthers goals are scored by Sam Reinhardt with two, Sam Bennett, Carter Verhage, and Ito Lusternin. Shots were 37 20 for Florida. I gotta say, man, the Panthers were just like that artist Lunas. Panthers put five on it. Yeah, this is a game where Otto really didn't show up. I gotta ask though, is it a stop, stop, he's already dead kind of game though? No, they at least showed some fight at the end. Okay. But it also didn't help that uh, Corpus Salo laid an egg. He did. But you know what? That second goal on Corpus Salo, that's something you would have seen in, in those old Rock'em Sock'em videos from back in the day. Like, the thing is, is like, probably worse than it looked. Ottawa might have, Ottawa rung a few off the crossbar. Like, it could have looked a little closer, but Ottawa definitely did not deserve to win this one. No, and... I mean, between the shots and the score, it was clear they didn't. But the big thing about this game, the brawl between the Sens and the Panthers. 
Yeah, we haven't seen one of those in a while, eh? No, it was a game that both Brady and Matthew got thrown out of the game. The amount of penalty minutes was just also wild. Like, Zach McEwen, I am surprised the man didn't get suspended. Mm-hmm. He really should have. I think he got fined, but I don't think he got suspended. Yeah. And then by the end of the game, there were five Senators and six Panthers left on the bench. Mm-hmm. So they just kind of played it out. Yeah, they should have done like a, just a drop-in hockey thing where if there's only five guys on the bench, just throw everybody on. Let, or let the fads go. Yeah, pretty much. Like, ugh, that was definitely probably one of the worst showings the Sens have had in a very long time. Yeah, it's and it's really unfortunate because, again, like last season, Ottawa came into this season with such high expectations from the fans. We were thinking, this is going to finally be the year. This is going to be good. We're going to turn this thing around. And we're not. We're currently 9 and 10. Yep. It's to the point where I don't know where you are with this team right now, but I'm just at the point of like, I don't even feel excitement about watching the Sens games now. It's just like, oh, for fuck's sakes, are we going to end up losing this? Like, because you don't know what Sens team is going to show up. Yeah, and that's what's frustrating because it's like, this team has the talent in them. Mm-hmm. It's just really disorganized. Yeah, and especially when you talk about how the fans really want DJ Smith's head. And I know that, I want to say it was the Sens call-ups, they made a comment about DJ. And they said, if they let DJ go, the comment was, okay, well, who do you replace him with? And it is in the air term, Jack Campolano. Yeah. The problem is, let's, if they still had a GM, they could hire a guy without the interim tag. And then you could bring in someone like Evanson or Woodcroft. Yeah. Although, with the connections Anlauer has with Montreal, what do you think the likelihood is Patrick Watt's going to end up being the guy? If not Watt, maybe close Julian? You know what? I would be okay with Julian, but the fact is he had a heart attack in his last job, and maybe he doesn't want that. Yeah, like... Well, somebody on Twitter was talking about that. They were just like, how is all these guys getting hired and yet Julian's phone has not been answered? And it says, maybe he just lets it ring. Maybe he doesn't want to answer it. Yeah. Honestly, yeah, that that could be it. Yeah, but you know what, though? I really think that Claude Julian would be a great head coach for the Senators. He would definitely help turn this team around anyway. But I think the best thing about this game was that Brady and Matthew's grandmother was in the crowd. Well... You could see, like, the Keith Kachuk face as just the Ottawa Senators came out and did whatever it was that they did. You know how last year we had the Sens guy? That's the, that picture of the grandmother's arms folded looking up in the air going, oh, God. What is that? That's this year. Yeah. yeah. A, oh, God. I can't wait for the social media page of Sens Granny. Yeah, there's definitely uh, things that need to be done. And it's just, it is kind of a bummer to watch these games. It is. And it's one of these things where it's like, like I'll get a notification on my phone, like, oh, Sens are playing who? And I'm looking at it going, oh, Sens play today? Neat. Okay. Neat. I just put my phone down. 
Yeah. That's where I'm at right now. Like, it's just like, like, honestly, if it wasn't for the fact we do this podcast, I don't know if I would be watching games. That's fair. I would just be like, you know what? Like, I, I would never give up on being a fan, but it's one of those things where it's like, like, why, why are we even caring? And social yeah. media is so draining because you look at it and it's like everybody wants DJ fired. Everybody wants things to happen and this and this and this. It's just like, okay, I'm just going to put my phone down for a while. Yeah, I'm glad I have other stuff to do. Yeah. Oh, but I mean, I'll tell you, with the new trailer for Grand Theft Auto 6 coming out tomorrow, you know I'm going to have some stuff <laughs> to do in the future. I'll tell you. Fair, fair, fair. Yeah. So let's turn our attention to this second game of the evening. Sens versus Blue Jackets. This is a 4-2 Blue Jackets victory. Sens goes scored by Claude Giroux and Brady Tuchuk. Jackets goes scored by Patrick Laine, Dimitri, Dimitri Voronikov, Adam Fantelli, and Boone Jenner. Shot for 43-23 for the Senators. We got Sens. Absolutely. Like, some of the Columbus's goals were just fluky, too. Like, one just went off Kubelik's ass. Another one, like, it reminds me of the sort of goals that Detroit was scoring in that game in Sweden, where it was like, okay, I guess. Yeah. Well, unlike the game where just James Reimer had an awful time of it in Detroit, Elvis Merz Lickens put on a clinic. That's the thing about Merzl Lakins that really kind of surprises me is that he's one of those goalies that when he's on, he's absolutely on. And when he's off, everything goes through him. Yeah. And unfortunately, yeah, we just had the Elvis Merzl Lakins experience. But at the same time, Ottawa's third line, Ottawa's fourth line got run over again. Like Zach McEwen, frankly... If Ridley Grieg is healthy and Zach McEwen is still on this team, there is a problem. The yeah. guy can't play hockey anymore. No. And he's signed for three years. Thanks. And here's the thing. We're going to talk about it this game and next game is DJ Smith does not care for Zach McEwen or, or uh, Highmore hockey. Zach McEwen played five minutes. Jesse Highmore played six Parker Kelly played eight. Yeah, it's like do you remember in the last couple of years where he would play guys like Branstrom like eight or nine minutes a night, and you're like, what kind of confidence are you trying to instill in them? Yeah. Like Branstrom got 14. Admittedly, Hammond got 10. Like, I honestly, I wouldn't be surprised. And it's funny because in the Seattle game, Ottawa plays 11 and 7. Wait, Tim. Are you trying to tell me that rest is a weapon? Rest is a weapon. It's Guy Boucher back? Guy Boucher's back, boys. You know those memes that you'll see online of like, it'll be like four squares, one would be like just a normal picture, and then it fades to something else? Yep. When I heard 11 and 7, all you see is DJ Smith's face just fades into Boucher's. Yeah. And honestly, seeing the options he has at forward right now, unless he wants to bring up uh, 
But even Yarvente wasn't really doing that much, unless he wanted to bring up Yarvente and Sokolov and send down Highmore and McEwen. Mm. Yeah, I, I'd pick 11 and 7. I'd almost consider 10 and 8. Okay, who are the three forwards you'd send down, though? McEwen, Kelly, and Highmore. Okay, no, I, I'm good with that. Do you want to talk about the Seattle game, though? Sure. Yeah, let's turn our attention to the third and final game of the evening. Kraken versus Senators. This is a 2 to nothing Senators victory. Senators scored, scored by Matthew Joseph and Drake Batherson. Shots were 39-28 to the Kraken. I'll tell you, this is a much-needed bounce-back win, and Anton Forsberg looked fantastic in this game. Well, what's really funny is there was a def- there's a large shot discrepancy. Ottawa parked the bus in the third period, yep. but what's kind of impressive is None of the none of Seattle shots looked other than like a couple from especially that Gordon the Bjorkstrand bat. Nothing looked particularly dangerous. Seattle was mostly contained to the outside. Yeah, and that was something I really felt too. I felt it was a very good effort by the Senators overall. I do have that actually in my notes. They went into full protection mode, and I would say the final 10 minutes, you could definitely tell. And I had that weird feeling the entire game when we went up to nothing. I'm just thinking, oh, no. how are we going to blow this? No, like Ottawa played a very good first and Matthew Joseph was rewarded with an absolutely beautiful goal. Ottawa played a very strong second. Do you want to talk about the Batherson goal? Just the patience on the passing play between Tarasenko, Stutzla and Batherson. Yeah, and Timmy Stu got his two hundred for a point. So yep, there you go. But yeah, with Drake Batherson, I mean, normally that kind of chances when it's him bounces over his stick. Yeah, like the guy's been had recently. That luck is starting to change on him. He has three goals in four games. Yep, like the guy's on fire. Yeah, and even with Matthew Joseph, I felt the hockey IQ on that move to pull the puck from his back end to forehand very smart because he easily could have just backhanded it. Like. I on like when DJ Smith says that Joseph's been one of the most consistent senators, it, he's entirely right. No, I totally agree with that. And you know what's funny about this game, Tim? You know how normally when we play our former goalies, we always lose? Joey Decord was in that and we ended up winning. Admittedly, Joey Decord played pretty well. Yep. It's just Forsberg played way like Forsberg played better. But I thought like Joey Decord, not a bad game. No, not at all. But the thing with the Kraken is, and again, it really says something about their lineup in general. Nobody really stood out for me on the Kraken. Joey Decord played good, but everybody else was just kind of... Kind of? like All right. I'd say uh, I noticed McCann, Bernier's, and Bjorkstrom. Sorry, and Beniers and Bjorkstrom. I mean, I guess... I didn't notice them as much as you may have, but. But it's just like, yeah, they didn't seem terribly threatening all night. And interesting note on a player deployment, Sanderson with 26 minutes, a lot of that just being PK t- extra PK time. Mm-hmm. Travis Hamannick with five. We are well into why are you even here territory. Yeah, well, and even something we didn't mention in either this or the Blue Jackets game was Thomas Shabbat coming back. Yeah, Shabbat's Shabbat's been good. Like, the zone entries are way cleaner when Shabbat's on the ice. 
And I think that's going to do, that's going to help. It's going to, it's going to push uh, Shikran down to a second pairing role, which I think he's much better suited for. And it's going to take a lot of pressure off Sanderson as well. So you get Shabbat, Zub, Shikran, Sanderson as your top four. Shabbat and Zub take the harder minutes. Mm-hmm. And all of a sudden, I think you're going to see better play out of the Senators. And we saw like two of the three games. This week, the Senators played very, admittedly, Seattle's another team that's struggling and Columbus is bad. The fact that Ottawa was absolutely drubbing Columbus and nothing to show for it is just frustrating. Yeah. And, you know, I would absolutely agree with your assessment there of the Jackets and the Kraken is of the Kraken. They are struggling. One could argue that they're underachieving given that they were in the playoffs last year. But for me, I, I've said it before. I'll say it again. I think the Kraken overachieved last year. Oh, yeah. Especially when you see how their goaltending was last year. They just got in. It was their goaltending and their shooting percentage. Yeah. Seattle was shooting the nuts last year. And this is a team that just is now gone cold. Yep. So like their goaltending has fallen off a cliff. They were, they're not shooting the nuts anymore. And yeah, I think this is closer to what Seattle is. Cause we're talking about a team that scored 271 goals on 223 expected. That's a massive overachievement, almost 20%. Yep. While their goaltending, what, what's funny is their goaltending was also a sieve last year. Mm-hmm. Like they were even, just shooting the nuts. Well, God, even the game I saw the Kraken play against the Islanders last year, I remember we we're sitting there watching the goaltending going like, God, this is not good. And what's so weird is like, it's not even like Seattle's a very good defensive team it's their offense is their offense is minnesota tier yeah that's a very ron francis type of team if ron, you look at, oh we, yeah we look how we built carolina well rod re- francis with hackstall coaching mm-hmm. like what <laughs> like, do you remember about the hurricanes of those era you remember their overly elite defense and just kind of okay everything else yeah and cam ward having one phenomenal season but what's so weird is like Grubauer just decided that he wasn't going to be an NHL goalie anymore. And Seattle just hasn't found a solution for that. Yeah, and it's not like they have a Sorokin or anything in their system that they're going to bring up. No. And with Hellebuck locked up in Anaheim, I I don't see where they're going to find something. Or do you mean... uh... Hellbox in Winnipeg, not sorry, in Winnipeg. Did I say Anaheim? I meant Winnipeg, and even Anaheim, it John Gibson looks revived now that uh, the reign of hockey terrorism is over down there. Yep. And I don't think he's going anywhere. It's so, like, where is Seattle going to find where's Seattle going to find this goaltender? And then what are they going to do with Grubauer's contract? I don't do you mind quickly looking that contract up? Like, how many more years does he have on that? He's got three more years at six million. What would be the buyout? What like two and a half, three? Two and a half. Let's let's buy the sucker out. Where is the buyout to? Yeah, let's go to our fun, our very fun buyout calculator. And where is Grubauer? 
the buyout would just be a flat 1.87 million until 2030. Okay. Yeah. Okay. So that wouldn't be the worst contract to buy out, but but I... you don't actually get that many savings. Like you do get some savings, but what's weird is like you get this weird cap hit because like next year it would only be you'd have about a million against the cap, then two million, then three million, then one, then two, 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 two. Yeah. So like you would save on the cap. And just having that extra two million dead for three years might not be the worst. But then who are you going to replace them with, right? Yeah, I mean, I'm trying to rattle off my head, off top top of my head anyway. Who do you go after? I mean, there there are goalies out there, but it's not anybody you're going to be a day one starter. Well, it's also like, or what team would be willing to give up a goaltender? Maybe. Maybe you can get Markstrom out of Calgary. I was just thinking this, actually. I'm I'm so glad that you and I are on the same page. I was just thinking this. I was thinking... I was actually going to mention... I mean, who do you go after? Like a Dan Vladar? But honestly, out of the Vladar's bad. Markstrom would be the one if Calgary goes into a rebuild. If Seattle has the pieces to make this happen. The only thing, does Calgary trade him within the division? Uh, if they're going to a rebuild, they don't care. Yeah. Because the only other thing I, the only other goalie I can maybe think of is what if, I don't think they would go for it. What if they went after like a Jeremy Swayman? Yeah, Boston's, yeah, Boston is alive until they say otherwise, right? Yeah. And like, they have money to spare, right? Somehow they do. Somehow, yeah. Sorry, they have three billion deadline they'll have one and a half million in cap space at deadline yeah so uh no there's no reason for them to trade swayman and we'll see what our they might be able to pick him up next year if arbitration doesn't go well because the other thing is not only like the cap is going up but the mike riley buyout starts to bind a little more and uh they have to they have to find a new contract for jake debrusque James Van Riemdijk, probably gone. Mm-hmm. Danton Heinen, probably gone. Matt Drieslick's new contract could be bad. Same with Derek Frobert. Sorry, Derek Forbert. Actually, not Forbert. Forbert's probably what it is. Grizzlick? That could be in a... Someone might outbid them, t- Tory Krug style, right? Yeah, and you so, know, yeah, it could get bad. could work for the Bruins' favor. That's true. So, like, the that's the thing. Is like, again... Who knows what's going to happen with the Bruins? Mm-hmm. But no, I am very glad that you did say Jacob Markstrom because I was actually thinking that myself. Yeah, I'm trying to think like who else can you even target? Maybe Cam Talbot. I don't know. I mean, because because how much cap space does the Kraken have right now? Let's see what's Kraken. They have one million at deadline six. At deadline six, hmm. I don't know. That's the thing, and that's yeah. Again, I don't know who you would go after. And what's funny is like Seattle's cap is pretty clean. 
But then they're also in this weird position where like they have Burakovsky and Sh- Jaden Schwartz on on injured reserve. So if those guys come back, maybe Seattle looks a, l- a little more alive. Yeah. Uh, Chris Drieger's off the cap next year. And I don't think there's any, like anything too scary coming towards, well, I guess Maddie Bernie. Marty Beniers has a new contract next year. Eli Tolvanen might have a, a weird one. Mm-hmm. Maybe Kaylor, Kaylor Yamamoto, I doubt, is going to be a problem. I doubt that's going to be a problem. No. Alex Wenberg, maybe. Jordan Eberle is probably like 5 million is what he's going to cap out at. Yep. Honestly, maybe Seattle just goes for a four. Like... <laughs> Call me crazy. Well, maybe Seattle gets a forward. Their highest paid forward is Everlay. Like that's Everlay is such a weird, but Everlay is like he is a good player. The man never believed in defense. No, but neither did anybody on the Oilers. Yeah. But uh he's still he's still a top flight forward, like a top first line player. He signed some value contracts. So, Tim, I don't have any more comments to make on these games. If you want to head off into the close for another episode. Sounds good. Well, guys, thank you so much for listening to the Third Line Plug Sensecast. I hope you've enjoyed it because, believe me, Tim and I love recording it for you. You can find us on social media at Third Line Plug. Tim is on Twitter at Hem901HoneyBadger. And I am also on social media at Great White Yipster. So, Tim, you know how this week was at the Chuck Bowl? Next week. Battle of Ontario episode. It's going to be a good one, man. We got the games of the week. Tuesday, we are going to be playing the New York Rangers at home. Thursday, we play the Toronto Rangers at home. And Saturday, we travel down to the Motor City to play So what I'm hearing is we're doing third line plugs. Let's go. Until next week, guys. And the Spin Tip Jets. Let's go.